Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here we go. Good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you are here. Thanks so much uh, for coming. Uh, welcome those of you over in our East service, those of you who are tuning in online, and of course, those of you here in our West service. All right, this is the uh, final message of our four-part series on the Holy Spirit. It has been a great series, and <laughs> I know that sounds strange for me to say because I've preached three out of four of these messages, <laughs> but I'm always surprised, uh, shocked, really, at how much after 40 years, how much I learn or am reminded of every time I prepare for a message. Uh, never, <laughs> I was going to say, never think that I know more than I do, but some of you are going, yeah, that's, that, we don't think that, right? <laughs> um, but I'm always learning uh, with you. I want you to know that. So we've done these, uh, this series on the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And let me just give you a few of my takeaways from each of these messages. I want to do, you know, if you're watching a series on TV, every once in a while they'll say previously, and so this is going to be one of those, previously on the Holy Spirit. So the first week, uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is not uh, a force like in Star Wars. He's not a, it's not a mist. The Holy Spirit is a person. And if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you. In fact, that's what makes you a Christian. You are not a Christian because you say you're a Christian. You're not a Christian because you grew up going to church. You're not even a Christian because you believe a certain set of beliefs. You're a Christian when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, comes inside of you and makes alive something that was previously dead. And if the Holy Spirit indwells you, that means that he takes up residence with you, which means that you are never alone. Right? You may feel lonely, but you are never alone. That also means that the Holy Spirit experiences you subject the Holy Spirit to everything you go through. He sees what you see. He hears what you hear. He experiences what you experience. That was the first week. The second week, the thing that I took away was that the Holy Spirit's job is to make Jesus real to you to work like a spotlight, to make Jesus glorious. That's what it says in John chapter 16. Whenever you see the word glory in the Bible, think beautiful and important. So the Holy Spirit is making Jesus beautiful and important. The Holy Spirit also is the one that convinces you that God has made you his child. You have the spirit of adoption. And it's the Holy Spirit who convinces you, who bears witness with you, that God, the God of the universe, looked at you and said, I choose to want you. I choose to love you. I choose to give you my name to make you mine. Which means that the Holy Spirit allows you to call God your Abba Father. That word Abba is the word dad in Aramaic. It's, it's the very first thing that the Apostle Paul ever called his own dad, Abba. 
And because now God is your Abba, that means you can be audacious in the way that you approach him. It means you, there is nothing that is too trivial, nothing too important to bring to God because he is now your Abba. And then last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit groans with you. Pastor Zach, I think, used a great illustration about his son, Deacon, where Deacon had gone through a, a tough experience, and he was telling his dad about it, and Zach tried to give him advice on how he could handle it, and he said he saw the hurt in Deacon's eyes, and he just stopped, and he said, Deacon, I want you to know I'm so sorry for what you experienced. That must have been terrible, and Deacon walked across the room and wrapped his arms around his dad, because what Deacon needed was someone who would groan with him. And the Holy Spirit groans with you. And for some of you, that means the Holy Spirit is groaning with you today. All right, and that brings us to this message. And this is on Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans. If you want to use one of the Bibles that we have, it's on page 888. You can look uh, if you have an app on your phone, whatever. Romans chapter 8. Uh, It's verses 26 and 27, so it's not a long passage, so I'm going to read it again. These are great, great verses. This is what it says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, this is God's word, and it's true. All right, I have three points, and if you're a note taker, you can write these down, or you just want to just keep these in your mind. I'm going to talk about what we don't know, what the Holy Spirit knows, and what the Holy Spirit does with what he knows. That's it. What we don't know, what the Holy Spirit knows, and what the Holy Spirit does with what he knows. All right, first what we don't know. The passage says that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. It shouldn't be a big surprise to anybody uh, because uh, there's a lot that we don't know. Let me just break down into like three categories what we don't know, what you don't know, what I don't know. First, we don't know all there is to know. You don't know all there is to know. Uh, My Son Jeremy has a good friend, uh, Nathan, who got his PhD about a decade ago. And in order to get his PhD, uh, he had to discover something about blood clotting that had never been discovered. That's what he had to do. And he did it. So at one point, Nathan knew something that no one else in the world knew. That's amazing. It's incredible. But it happens all the time. I read uh, that in the year 1900, the cumulative knowledge of the world, the totality of human knowledge, would double at the rate of about 100 years. It would double every 100 years. By 1945, that had sped up to every 25 years. Every 25 years, the cumulative knowledge of the world doubles. All right? (laughs) Today, in 2022... They estimate that the cumulative knowledge of the world, the totality of human knowledge, doubles every 12 hours. 12 hours! I mean, it's 
It's mind-blowing. You know what that means? That means if you knew everything there was to know, everything that anybody knew, you knew all knowledge, all total human knowledge today, by this time tomorrow, there would be twice as much information you don't know as you do know. Right? And I said in the first service, I don't know if my math's right on that. Right? And I had two people come up to me and go, your math's not right. It's actually four times. Those of you who are math people, uh, you'll, be, you'll have four times as much knowledge uh, uh, one day from now than you do right now. All right? So it just showed how little I know. Right? <laughs> it's my point. Uh, there's a comedian named Nate Bargatze that I, I like, and he has a bit where he makes fun of how little he knows. And he says if, if he could travel in time and go back to like 1920, he said, I, I don't think I could convince anybody I was from the future. He said, I'd see somebody on a, one of those old phones and I'd say, hey, you know, in the future, they'll have phones you can put in your pocket. And the person would go, really? How do they do that? And Nate said, mm, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I think uh, maybe a satellite or something. And the guy goes, well, what's a satellite? Nate goes, oh, I knew I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. <laughs> right? You know just a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of what there is to know. Right? That's part of what you don't know. But the second part is maybe equally as important. We don't know how, anything, how everything works. We, we don't know... How, you know, human life is incredibly complex. You know, there are all kinds of variables that go into making you, you. All kinds of variables that happen in order for you to be right here, right now, sitting around the people that you're sitting around, right? And, and the, we know some of the important variables in our lives that made us, us, right? Our, our parents, for sure, right? The time when we were born, the place where we were born, our, our educational opportunities, uh, our job, our spouse, our children, our friends, our neighborhood, all those things, super important. What we don't know are the thousands and thousands of other variables that went into making us who we are that we don't even pay attention to. All right, let me uh, just use this as an illustration. So I, uh, I am the lead pastor here at CCC, and I'm speaking this morning in large part due to meeting a gym college who's the founding pastor, uh, Jim and I met 33 years ago. I'm going to use this just as an uh, illustration. Now, we can assume that that is an important ingredient. Right? So that was a, uh, everything changes the consistency or the chemical makeup of all that goes on. So I'm here in large part because I met Jim College 33 years ago. Now, the reason I met Jim College, I was living in North Carolina at the time, and I was up here looking for a job. And the reason I was looking for a job is because I was unemployed, and uh, my little brother had been killed in, a, in an accident, and I had been let go by the church in North Carolina. So that's a variable. And I was up here actually looking at two jobs. Uh, I was in the final interview for a church across town, and uh, I, uh, the final interview happened on a Friday night. And that interview didn't go very well. So that's a, that's a variable. <laughs> um, and the next morning, I met with the headmaster of Cauga Valley Christian Academy to talk about becoming the chaplain and the head of the Bible department at CBCA, which is the Christian school right down the road. 
And the only reason I knew about CBCA was that my wife graduated from there. Uh, Her parents became Christians when she was 13 years old. And they had friends that had their kids at CBCA. So her parents took her out of the school she was at and then put her at CBCA. So that's uh, a variable. That's how I knew about the school. And then, uh, so the interview with the headmaster went well. So then I had the interview with the board and that went well. But somebody on the board decided that uh, because I was going to be the chaplain, that I should meet with a pastor. And one of the board members said, uh, I bet my pastor would meet with Joe. And uh, his pastor happened to be Jim College. And so Jim and I went into a room for an hour and a half and came out as friends 33 years ago. Okay, so tell me, which one of those variables was not important? Which, which, one, you could, which one could you take out? and I would still be here, right? If, if my mother and father-in-law became Christians when my wife was 18, well, then I wouldn't know about CBCA. If one of the other board members said, hey, my pastor is available, what if Jim College had been out of town? I mean, there are, are literally hundreds, maybe thousands of variables that went into that single moment, let alone all the moments since then that got me here. We don't know, you don't know how anything works. You have no idea what is an important thing that happens to you or an unimportant thing. You don't know what a good thing is or a bad thing is. And I've told this story to my kids and I tell it to myself. I remind myself of it all the time. I've told it to you at least once. And that's, uh, there's an old story about a, a poor man with a beautiful horse who lived in a little village. And the village people said, you should, (laughs) I just said village people, sorry. (laughs) Made me me laugh. Um, But the people in the village said, uh, listen, you should sell your horse. You're poor, you should sell your horse. You don't need that horse. You could get a lot of money. And the man said, no, I I love my horse. I'm not gonna sell my horse. And they'd say, well, uh, you're a fool. You know, it's bad to hold on to your horse. Sure enough, the horse runs off and disappears. And they said, see, old man, you're a fool. It's terrible now. Your horse has run off. You don't have the horse. You don't have any money. And he said, well, you don't know if that's bad. All you know is my horse is not here. A week later, the horse comes back with 25 wild Mustangs with him. And everybody in the village goes, oh, you were right, old man. It was good that you kept your horse and good that your horse ran off. And he's come back with 25 wild Mustangs. And the old man said, you don't know if that's good. All you know is my horse came back with 25 other horses. And then his son was trying to break one of the horses, got bucked off, broke his leg. And they said, you were right, old man. It was bad news. And then he says, you don't know that. And then the war breaks out. And his son is the only one that doesn't have to go to war because he's got a broken leg. And they go, you you know, it just keeps going. And the point, of course, is you don't know anything. Right? I don't know anything. I don't know whether it's good or bad, right? And that's what we don't know, which means that I don't know what I need right now. This is what the scripture says. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. That's the way it starts. What's your greatest weakness? This is it. Your greatest weakness is you don't know what you need. You don't know what's best for you. So that's your greatest weakness. 
is that we just don't know. And that brings me to my second point, what the Holy Spirit knows. What the Holy Spirit knows. Now, it'd be easy to say, well, the Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows everything you don't know, which is true because he's God. But what this passage says is the Holy Spirit searches your heart. The Holy Spirit searches your heart. I have a cardiologist. I, I have had a cardiologist ever since I developed AFib like uh, 10 years ago. And I go once a year to my cardiologist. He does the same thing. He runs tests on me that I don't understand because I don't know everything. And uh, then he does the same three things, diagnosis, prognosis, treatment. Right? When the Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit searches your heart, it'd be more accurate to say that the Holy Spirit searches your soul. He searches your soul. And then he does the same thing that my cardiologist does, diagnosis, prognosis, treatment. When I say diagnosis, is what, what the Holy Spirit does is he, he knows why you groan. You know, he, he talks about groaning in this, and he knows why you're groaning. And now, my son is a chiropractor, and I have gone to my son Jeremy every once in a while and just go, Jeremy, my shoulder hurts. Am I doing something that I shouldn't be doing, or is it just the result of being 63 years old? And my son can tell me. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. There are certain things the Holy Spirit will know that you are doing it that makes you groan. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of that and let you know, oh, by the way, you should know this, that sometimes uh, where you're experiencing pain is not the source of your pain. Right? Like you could be uh, really frustrated at work and losing your temper, and it's not connected to work at all. It's connected to what you're looking at on your computer at home. Right? The Holy Spirit knows, so the Holy Spirit convicts you of whatever you're doing that's making you groan, but the Holy Spirit also knows when you are groaning just because you live in a world that is broken, and some of you are groaning because of that. The Holy Spirit diagnoses that, and then the Holy Spirit gives a prognosis, which is the Holy Spirit knows what's coming. He knows what you are to be. The Holy Spirit is the only one who knows what you need in order to become more like Jesus, right? The, the Holy Spirit knows, uh, let me, I, I saw a movie with Ben Affleck in it some years ago, and in the movie, he created a time machine, but whenever he went to the future, uh, and he came back, he couldn't remember the future. That was the way it was designed. But one time when he came back, uh, he received in the mail a package from himself. And the package, he opened it up, it had a bunch of just weird things, like uh, a pair of sunglasses, a key, a book of matches, uh, a paperclip. And the whole movie, as it unfolded, was you seeing when he needed exactly what he had mailed himself because he knew. Right? That's the Holy Spirit brings different things into your life at exactly the right time in exactly the right way because he's the only one who knows what the perfect you looks like. He's the only one who knows what the perfect you feels like. Like, I don't know when I am going to, when my time here on earth is done and I'm going to go to heaven. But the Holy Spirit may be saying, I got eight more years with this guy. And this is what, I, what he's going to need in order to make him like Jesus. And of course, that's the treatment. Right? You want to know why certain things 
are happening, the Holy Spirit is in charge of doing stuff in my life where there are things that I might think would be good for me that would be terrible because I don't know. Things that were terrible that are good. Listen, you know the, the old story of Aladdin? where If I gave you a lamp that you could rub and a genie would come out and give you three wishes, your chances are about 90% you'd, you'd mess your life up or somebody else's. Because you don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. So the Holy Spirit is giving you what you need right now. Right? And that brings me to the third point, is what the Holy Spirit does with what he knows. What we don't know, what the Holy Spirit knows, but what the Holy Spirit does with what he knows. And this is probably my favorite part of this. This is what verse 26 says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. All right, there are two things that that verse says the Holy Spirit does. One has to do with groaning, and the other, he's, he intercedes. All right? The Apostle Paul talks about groaning a lot in chapter 8. In, in verse 22, he says, all of creation groans. There is something kind of out of joint broken in all of creation, so it groans constantly. Verse 23 says that we groan, and then verse 26 says the Holy Spirit groans for us. Why does the Apostle Paul talk so much about groaning? There are a couple of reasons. One is he's trying to let you know you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through suffering. It's, It's so easy as a Christian, and I say this, it's so easy for me, To think that if God really loves me, and I know he does, then he will uh, help me avoid some of the pain and suffering that I see other people have. But that's not what God promises. And when you hold God to a promise that he has not made, you set yourself up to be disappointed with God. And disappointment with God is like a spiritual cancer that will kill you over time, and some of you are in that right now. But what the Apostle Paul says is that you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience suffering, and some of you are right there now. But what Paul says is that the Holy Spirit groans with you. And you know what that means? That means the Holy Spirit feels what you feel. It means your pain matters to God. I think... If you have a friend who will groan with you, you have a gift. Don't ever let go of that friend. That was, I thought, the most moving thing about Zach's story last week was that when when he finally saw what his son Deacon needed and he just groaned with him, then Deacon went over and wrapped his arms around him. Some of you are groaning now and just need to know that the Holy Spirit wraps his arms around you now. But then the other thing that this passage says is that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, which means that he acts as a mediator. He he acts as an interpreter, a translator, if you will. Uh, Some years ago, I was in India, and I was asked to to officiate a wedding. I was the guest of honor, uh, so they thought it would be an honor for me to to do this wedding way out of my depth, right? So I'm I'm doing this wedding. I I have to work through a translator. If you've ever uh, talked through a translator, you say something, they say something. You say something, they say something. 
So I was doing that through the wedding, and you know, in the, in the weddings I officiate, you know, every pastor by the time they've done as many weddings as I've done, I have kind of a set thing that I go through, and I uh, I get to one part of the wedding ceremony where I talk about how much God loves them, and I'll say to the groom, "Listen, uh, God loves you so much that He He gave you this woman, right? So if you ever doubt the love of God from this day." Onward, you could reach across the kitchen table, grab her hand, and be reminded that there's a God in heaven who loves you. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a killer part of my ceremony. Right? <laughs> I really like that part. So I get after the ceremony is over, uh, my interpreter, his name was Benny. He's a, a good friend. He's Indian. He said, uh, hey, Joe, by the way, uh, I changed some of what you said. I said, what, what? what? What what did you say? And he said, I changed a big chunk of what you said. I said, well, really, what what chunk? And he said, you know the part where you say, reach across the kitchen table, grab her hand. I was going, yeah, I love that part. He said, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense in our culture. People would have been confused or just laughed. So I actually, I, I, I heard what you said, and I said something that would make sense. And I was going, oh, well, thanks, right, I guess. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So if you've heard anything, what you've heard is that you don't know even what you need. You don't know what to ask for. But you have needs, right? You're groaning, you hurt, you, you want God, you want to be close to God, you want God to do things for you. But that's terrifying if you don't know what even to ask for. What the Holy Spirit says is ask away. You say whatever you want to say to God, I'll take what you say, and I'll bring it to God, and I'll change it into what you would say if you knew everything that I know, so that God will know what you need. Do you hear that? Do you know how much God must love you to provide the Holy Spirit to be inside of you Constantly bringing even your groans to God in such a way that even though you don't know what to ask for, he does. So great is the love of God for you as his child. So you go to him as Abba and the Holy Spirit goes with you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you, and I am uh, so grateful. I'm grateful for all that you uh, do in our lives. I'm grateful for uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will will make Jesus glorious to us. Uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will uh, wrap his arms around those who are groaning deeply right now. And I pray, too, that the Holy Spirit will take uh, all of our words, all of our desires, all of our needs to you and tell you what we would say if we knew everything that you know. Thank you for loving us so much. I pray that every person here would feel your love right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.